Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. Welcome to the Betting Above the Rim podcast. Today's date is January 24th, episode 23 of this Betting Above the Rim podcast. Today we get into four tops. Obviously, we got to lead off and talk about the firing in Milwaukee of Adrian Griffin. Now, Doc Burr's named as head coach. What is the long-term and short-term ramifications for the Bucks? not just the rest of the year, but the overall Eastern Conference picture? Next, we go to a big trade, Scary Terry. Terry Rozier gets traded from Charlotte to Miami. How does that make Miami, I feel, one of the most dangerous teams in the playoffs? Third, we will take a look uh, at Joel Embiid, whose phenomenal performance, 70-point performance on Monday night versus Wabanyama. What do we think about the Sixers and their chances of making uh, a title run? And then to stay with Philadelphia, I'm going to give you my bench and starting five for the Philadelphia 76ers. Once again, welcome to episode 23. And let's get started in the breaking news that took place yesterday. And that's the firing of Adrian Griffin. First year head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks at 30 and 13 was let go in a surprise move mid-afternoon. And while it happened, folks, this is something that you find very interesting because coaches usually get time. And it's odd for a coach to get fired, one, in their first year, Two, with a 30-13 and 13 record. But when you start to peel back a little bit, there were some issues in Milwaukee. They've had some, some weird losses where they got blown out. There was their performance in the in-season tournament getting crushed by Indiana, who has now become almost like a rival. But then you can start looking at the defensive inefficiencies, I would say, of that Bucks team, which led – Adrian Griffin to get let go. Now, to me, do you fire a coach after 43 games? No. But I'll tell you this right now. If you're going to fire that man, if you're going to let him go after 43 games, God damn it, you better go win a championship. Because if you don't win a championship without that guy on the bench, then you look foolish because you had a guy and Mike Bootenholzer that did win a championship. So the pressure is on two of these guys in the screen. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Giannis, and I'm looking at you, Damian Lillard, because you're the superstars in this team, especially Giannis, for what he pulled, because you saw some clips a couple of nights ago, we can't show them, of Giannis drawing plays in a huddle late in game. That is not the responsibility of the player to do so. This ain't Bill Russell uh, in the late 60s when he was a player coach for the, for the Celtics. That's not how this gets done. So Giannis... This is going to go to you more than anybody else. You can point to Damian Lillard because Terry Stotts was there and got let go, or actually resigned shortly after Dame got there. But this is more on Giannis. This is really on him, and he needs to carry this team 
to an NBA championship because if they don't make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, a lot of people are going to look at Giannis and blame him for what's going on in Milwaukee, especially with the coaching carousel of two coaches being let go in less than a year. So who do they bring in? They bring in Doc Rivers. Glenn Doc Rivers, folks. Yeah, voted one of the top 15 coaches of all time. Yeah, Doc won an NBA title. But name a coach that's underachieved more in the playoffs than Doc Rivers has. I'll wait. Name a coach that's blown move 3-1 leads. I'll wait. Name a guy that year after year you think his team's going to get over and up and win a championship, and they flame out, not even making it to the conference finals. I'll wait. Get where I'm going here? This is the Mets pressure on Doc Rivers to get it done. And to me, it sounds like a setup for the jump that he went to ESPN and he's just hanging out and waiting for the job. But let me explain something to you folks. I don't think they're winning the title. I don't think they're making it to Eastern Conference Finals. And depending on the matchup, I don't know if they get out of the first round. Why? Boston is better. We're going to talk about Miami. They're better now. Philadelphia, they're better. New York, they're close. Better coached. Indiana is giving them problems. Better coached. So Doc Rivers, who won one ring in 2009 with Rajon Rondo, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Kendrick Perkins, James Pulsey, I do believe Jason Terry, and Tibbs running his defense. A lot of pressure is on Doc Rivers. Folks, I'm going to tell you this right now. This will not end well in Milwaukee. They will flame out. There will be problems, and we will see what happens of who's the next domino to go. Does Giannis, who just signed an extension, ask out after a year? Do they move on from Dame? Or do they start blowing up some of the other guys, Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, so on and so forth? It'll be worth watching. Let's move on to another team in the East in the Miami Heat who made a, a, a really smart move. That's why Pat Riley's one of the best in the business, folks. He got Terry Rozier from Charlotte for a first-round lottery-protected pick in 2027 that could turn into a 2028 pick, and Kyle Lowry. Now, when you think about this trade, you think, well, Terry Rozier, decent player. Let me tell you something. Scary Terry can flat-out score the ball. Career-high in points per game, and you saw what he has done this year without LaMelo Ball. This is a scoring guard that can go get you a bucket. Now, you can talk about Terry's uh, defensive issues, but that's not why Miami got him. They got him for this reason, folks. He is a player that is capable of carrying a team offensively for stretches of a game. So now when you look at Miami, they got Jimmy Butler, can get you 20. Bam, can get you 20. Remember, folks, last year made the run without Tyler Hero. Folks, Tyler Hero played one game. Remember, he got hurt, then he come back basically almost to the end. I don't even know if he came back at the end of the playoffs. So when you think about Tyler Hero being out and adding him full-time, hopefully, to make this run with Terry Rozier, that makes them flat-out scary. And now they don't have to depend on Jimmy Butler to play huge minutes and try to carry the load offensively while still be one of the better defenders in the league. It allows Bam to kind of settle into that role where he could be a second or a third scorer. Tyler Hero, less pressure on him. Now, I do think Miami's got to make a move to maybe get a backup big. Hello, hello, Daniel Gafford. Hello, hello, Andre Drummond. Are you there? That may be something they may want to look at. 
to kind of take away a little bit of pressure off of Bam, but also allowed you to go big, big, because Bam is capable enough defensively and shooting the ball where you could play him as a four. But Terry Rozier going to the Heat is an absolute home run. Home run. There's no other way around it. This guy is going to do a phenomenal job in Miami, and this team becomes really, really, really dangerous, especially when they have the best coach in the game, and Eric Spolstra. Let's move on to an unbelievable performance on Monday night by Joel Embiid. 70 points, 18 rebounds, 5 assists, and 37 minutes, folks. 41 field goal attempts, 24 for 41, 21 to 23 from the line. And it was the most points ever uh, in a game by a Philadelphia 76er beating Wilt Chamberlain. Remember, when Wilt scored 100, folks, he was playing. No, he was playing with the 76ers, so that is incorrect. Uh, Wilt did have a 100-point game as a member of the Philadelphia 76ers. People may think that was with the Lakers, but it was with Philadelphia. So. The game was actually in Hershey, Pennsylvania. I believe in 1962. Don't quote me on it. But let's get back to JoJo. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Let me tell you something, folks. I was talking to Kevin Walsh about this today. And pe- I, people, I want people to understand what I'm saying here. Joel Embiid has the best overall offensive repertoire in the history of the NBA as a center. And that includes the Joker. Okay? People are going to look at it and say, well, you know, Joker averages can get a triple-double every night. Let me tell you something. If Joel Embiid was used the way he needs to be used in that way, Joel Embiid can get you a triple-double every night. I I really do think so. It's about the the usage and how he's being played. So when you think about Joel Embiid, who this year is is giving you uh, 36.1 points per game, right? 11.6 rebounds, right? Uh, You know, the assists this year at 5.9. Remember, his assists are up by two this year. His rebounds are up versus his career. His scoring is up by almost nine points per game. His field goal shooting percentage is up. His three-point percentage is up. His free throw percentage is up. Everything's up. Steals are up. Fouls are down. So, Joel Embiid right now, folks, is the best player in the NBA. I had it at Giannis going into the year. JoJo was number two. JoJo's the best player in the NBA. And because Joel Embiid is playing the way he's playing and the way that Tyrese Maxey is playing, I really do think that Philadelphia is the second-best team in the East, and I think they can actually beat Boston. Here is why. Who in the hell is stopping Joel Embiid on Boston's team? I know. I know what you're going to say. I, I, I know you're going to say, oh, he's never played well against Boston in the playoffs. He's had these stinkers. Yes, but I do think, I think Joel has learned his lesson, and I think he's going to be in a position where he's going to play well. Now, listen, this year it's been tough. Only 23.5 points per game on 50% shooting, 16.7% from three. If you look at all of the game, all the teams he's played, and he's played more than once, this is the only team, this is the lowest points per game average that he has. But I expect... Joel to carry this team. I also think the reason why you have to think about Philadelphia being a true title contender is the emergence of Nick Nurse as the coach. I think Nick Nurse is one of the five best coaches in the NBA, and I think he's going to get this team playing at a really high level, particularly defensively once you get to the playoffs where the game slows down. But it's more than Joel Embiid. You can talk about the play of Tyrese Maxey 
over the course of this year. With career high scoring, scoring 25.8 points per game, 6.7 assists, right? You can look at Tobias Harris being really good at 17.7. And I'm like, I can't talk enough about the play of the Anthony Melton and Kelly Oubre Jr., uh, who have both been fantastic. Now, Maxie's got to be better in the playoffs. We, we know this. Joel's got to be better in the playoffs. And I'm going to say this. I think Daryl Moore's got to tr- has one more tree up his sleeve. There may be no one that could put more chips to the center of the table than Daryl Moore. Now, I don't know what he's got left to trade because he doesn't have much, but I think there's another move to be late made. Could be a buyout market, but I think you're looking at a team in Philadelphia that I think can win the NBA title. First time since 1983. Speaking of 1983, that's the last time they won. So let's end today's podcast by talking about all-time Philadelphia 76ers team. And what's great about it, folks, is four of the guys on this team was on the 83 championship team. Let's bring in first the bench. Mo Cheeks, Moses Malone, Joel Embiid. Folks, he could end up being the starter by the time his career is over. Bobby Jones. And Billy Cunningham. I think also Billy Cunningham was the coach in 1983, if I'm not mistaken, with Philadelphia. So let's go through it really quick with these guys. Mo Cheeks. Oh, phenomenal point guard. Got you about 12 points a game, six, seven assists. Floor general just did everything that you needed to do. How about this guy? You ever heard of the term foe, foe, foe? That was in 1983 when Moses Malone was their star player, even with Dr. J. And he said, when they got to the playoffs, what do you think we're going to do? He said, foe, foe, foe. There was only three rounds in the playoffs back then. He was close. It got to five games in one of them, including their sweep of the Lakers in the finals. Setter, you know who we go with, JoJo. I mean, he's been phenomenal. And I, and I do think, folks, you're good. I'm going to make an argument. I'm going to make an argument right now that Joel Embiid, if he, if he can stay healthy and put up stats, will be a top 10 player in the history of this of this sport. He may be better than the guy who's starting for this team. At the four, Bobby Jones. You don't know about Bobby Jones? Bobby Jones was one of the great uh, nails and glue guys. He could do a little bit of everything. Really good in the open floor. And then the old savvy veteran, Billy Cunningham, was part of those great Sixers teams in the 60s and 70s. Tough nose, lefty, ended up coaching the Philadelphia 76ers in the 80s, and like I said, I do believe was the head coach uh, when they went to the to the finals. And now to the starting lineup, right? Let's start off with, with Hal Greer, 19.2 points per game. Allen Iverson, you know about AI. Do I have to tell you about this guy? Ch- Sir Charles Barkley, unbelievable player. Wish it would have worked out in Philly. We'll talk about it in a second. Dr. J, Julius Irving. Shout out to Jock, Dr. J, who was like Michael Jordan before Michael Jordan with the way he played above the rim. And then obviously Will Chamberlain at center. So let's start with Hal Greer, Hall of Famer, 19.2 points per game. Part of those great Philadelphia teams that never got over the hump versus Boston. Year after year after year after year, Hal Greer got his team to the finals with Joel, I'm sorry, with Will Chamberlain at the center position. Next up, AI. Changed the game. He brought the street to the court. What is phenomenal one-on-one play, undersized guard play. Like, 
He was Steph Curry before Steph Curry. We're talking about undersized guard that can do it all offensively and shoot the ball. Now, Allen Iverson couldn't shoot the ball like Steph Curry. But I will tell you this. Allen Iverson could be the best one-on-one player in the history of the NBA. If you think Kyrie had tricks in his bag, go see this guy. This guy got Costco. He got every trick. Unbelievable Allen Iverson, the career he had in Philadelphia, led them to one finals appearance when he lost to Kobe and Shaq in the Lakers. Small forward. Let's go with Dr. J. Julius Serving. MVP. I mean, do you think about this? Do you think about the fact, folks, you remember for you young kids, do you know that Dr. J started his career in ABA with the Virginia Squires and then played for the New York Nets? And when the Nets got to the NBA, they sold Dr. J to the Sixers. Could you just think about the, the change of history you would have if Dr. J never got sold to Philadelphia? Took his team, I do believe, to the NBA Finals the first year losing uh, to Bill Walton and Dr. Jack Ramsey, uh, I do believe, in 1977. Finally got him over to Hump in, in 83. One of the all-time greats, Dr. J. Power forward, Sir Charles. Y'all know him for TNT. I know him at the Mountain Round of Rebound. Unbelievable. Bro, let me tell you, folks, just so you know, Charles Barkley is 6'4". 6'4". He played power forward. Shoot the ball, lead the break, dunk it in your head, defend, block shots. Unbelievable. It's just a shame what happened to Charles Barkley at the end when he got out. Then, obviously, he went to go to Phoenix. Led them to the NBA Finals, best record in 1993, losing to the Bulls. And then, obviously, uh, he ended his career in Houston playing with Drexler and Olajuwon. What a career from Charles Barkley. You guys think of he's funny on TNT? Let me tell you something. Charles Barkley was mean. Charles Barkley could poop. And do know, on that 1992 dream team, the leading scorer was not Michael Jordan. If I'm correct, it's Charles Barkley with that team, 11 Hall of Famers. At the center position, I mean, you got to go with Will, right? Average 27.6 points per game, over 22 rebounds a game. If he, what was the guy back in the day, folks, that if he wanted to lead the league in assists, he could do it in assists. If he wanted to lead in scoring, he could do it in scoring. If he wanted to do it in rebounding, he wanted to do it in rebounding. Two-time NBA champion, 13-time All-Star, one-time finals MVP, Hall of Famer, 100-point game in Hershey, Pennsylvania in 1962 versus New York Knicks, which is still like one of the great iconic pictures of the NBA of Wilt showing the 100 because the game wasn't televised. It was only on radio. So some people still think it's a myth. I know it's not a myth. So there we go. Uh, Once again, my bench, we have uh, Mo Cheeks, Moses Malone, Joel Embiid, Bobby Jones, Billy Cunningham. Starting lineup, Hal Greer, Allen Iverson, Charles Barkley, Julius Irving, and Will Chamberlain. This has been your Betting Above the Rim podcast for today's date, January 24th. For all things sports gambling, just go and download the Sports Grid app. Pre-game, in-game, post-game, props, predictions, and more. And I forgot that. I never told you that you should know. You can even listen and watch SportsGrid live on the app. you got to go download that SportsGrid app wherever you can go find it. iOS store, Android store, make sure you go pick it up. 
Next podcast will be next Monday. I know we want to talk about NAL. NAL. We'll get into NAL next week and why things are not the same in college basketball with all these Power 5 teams. We'll also look at the Chicago Bulls starting lineup. Well, we know two of them are going to be. But what do I do? Is it Rodman? Or is it Horace Grant? Is it Paxson? Is it some of these other guys? Make sure you turn into the Betting Above the Rim podcast on Monday. Thanks to Matt George. Remember, folks, always smarter than Beyond Sports Grid. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor.